Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Previously on a new winter. I ran faster, and once I got to this horrid little room, I saw the mattress, and there, chained to it, quietly sobbing, distraught, was one of the twin boys. This is episode 46, and the final episode of season 3 of A New Winter. I was shocked, disgusted, and I just couldn't move. The boy looked up at me, this boy who looked exactly like me as a child, and he put his chained hands out. I quickly ran around the room. There was no way he put the key here, surely. He'd have it on him. I looked around for anything else that I could find, but it was useless. The boy was getting agitated. Was he mute? Why wasn't he saying anything? Do you know where the key is? The key, I said. The boy shook his head. Oh, shit. I had to find Reynolds. I'm going to get the key, okay? I said to him. I'll come back, but we need to get those chains off. Now, I need you to be super brave, okay? You're safe now. I found you, and there's nothing to be afraid of anymore. I'm going to get you out of here. The boy stared at me. I wasn't sure if he understood or not, but I didn't have time to waste. I ran back towards the church, out of the trapdoor and outside. I couldn't see him anywhere. Damn it. Maybe he was in the house? I was wasting time. Maybe he'd gone full circle and gone back to the dungeon through the other way. Maybe this was all just a trap. I kicked his front door open and began to run around. It was useless, he wasn't here. I opened every cupboard I could find until I came across a small, red DIY box under the sink. I opened it up but couldn't find anything that I think would work. And then I saw about five or six different kinds of saws just leaning up against the back. I grabbed them all. Then, instead of wasting time trying to find the hatch this side, I ran back under the church to see the boy, still sitting there. Thank God. I breathed a sigh of relief. I began cutting the chains off until eventually they came apart. 
I picked the boy up and took him back outside. Then I heard a sound I hadn't heard for a while. It was probably the most distressing sound I could have heard at that time. It was that horrific animal scream that I knew was coming from the twisted townsfolk. Okay, we're going to run, I said to the boy. We're going to run into the forest and we're not looking back, okay? He nodded and I ran. I picked him up and we just ran for the nearby woods. And as soon as I reached the cover of the trees, I looked back to see the church surrounded by the masked ones. Some were looking at the ground and then those started running in my direction. Shit, I said. <sighs> Not again. And I ran. I ran until I thought my heart would explode right out of my chest. The boy was getting heavier with every step I took, but I had to keep going. Who knows what would happen if they found me? Who knows what would happen if they found him? Then as I felt the energy leave me and my pace began to slow down, the constant obstacles of logs and uneven footing just having to be negotiated with every step, I started to give up. We weren't going to make it, I decided. They were going to catch us up any second. I put the boy down. Keep running, I said. Keep running and don't stop until you find somewhere to hide. And then just stay there. Only come out for me. The boy stared at me for a second. Go, I shouted. The boy ran and luckily he didn't look back. If he'd have looked back in that second, I don't know if I would have been able to do what I did. I found the largest tree I could that was nearby and pushed myself up flat against it, hiding from our pursuers. I took a second. I breathed deeply. I searched the ground around me and I found a strong piece of bark. It was sharp, thick, and hopefully it wouldn't break. Then as I heard the first footsteps come closer, my heart raced even faster. My breathing was almost in time with those steps sprinting, coming nearer and nearer until they weren't just near anymore. They were here. I stepped out and threw my arm out and the piece of bark in my hand went straight into the throat of a masked one. I heard the gurgle the spit of blood, saw her arms reach up to her throat, but it was too late. I pulled it back out and watched as she collapsed on the ground, clutching at her neck, and then I heard more footsteps around me, followed by those awful screams. I looked around and there were two more men this time, and they weren't small either. Had the screams meant that they called more? It didn't matter at that moment. I knew that I had to take these two out and I had to defend that poor kid for as long as possible. They both ran towards me, and I threw my arm out, narrowly cutting the arm of the closest one, until I felt a punch at the back of my head from the other. I wasn't made for fighting, but something within me felt different. In fact, as bad as it is to say, I actually felt good, alive. I clutched onto the bark like a knife and tried to keep my distance, then, as the one who hit me came for me, I quickly, and strangely, ran at him, which seemed to surprise him and me, and in that moment of confusion, I pushed the bark into his stomach, and then, 
when it felt like it couldn't go any further. I stared into his mask and gave it another thrust. He fell to the floor and I looked at his friend. There was a moment's hesitation and he started running back. I wondered whether I should let him go. But he'd seen me kill someone and I had to make sure that there were no witnesses. I quickly chased after him, but he was really fast. And then, whack, I felt something hit the side of my head. I fell down and felt wherever the pain was. It was wet. Blood. And just then, I looked up to see a masked one holding a rock above his head. I quickly rolled to the side out of the way, grabbed his ankle and pulled him to the floor. He scrabbled to sit up, but I was already on him. His right hand held a rock, but I was able to pin it down. His other hand started to go to claw at my face, so I grabbed that arm too. I was now pinning him down, staring into the strange mask made of wheat and bone. And then for some reason, for some reason that I still can't fathom to this day, I moved my head towards his neck, and like some kind of vampire, I bit at his throat. In fact, I took a chunk out of it. I was sure I'd pulled out his Adam's apple and was gnawing away, trying to cut whatever it was that was in there loose. The man was screaming, and ever so quickly, my mouth dripping with blood, I felt pain right in the centre of my back. I cried out and reached around, and I could just about grab what was there. And it was a knife. I turned around to see another masked one, a small man, perhaps a teenage boy. He took a few steps back and I was just able to pull the knife from my back. Instead of thinking about the pain, in fact, I thought it was a stroke of luck. I've got a weapon, I thought. The boy didn't run, but walked slowly backwards and I walked slowly towards him. I spat out the blood in my mouth and slowly, carefully, I kept him in my sights until... He ran. He sprinted away. But I was as quick as he. It was only after 20 or so steps that I grabbed him. And I stuck that knife through the mask's eye socket. The boy cried out in pain. I pulled the knife out. A horrid mess attached to the end. I then slit the boy's throat. Putting him out of his misery. And I just let him drop to the floor. I looked up and saw another five or so of the masked ones. Just standing still. Staring at me. I didn't move, and they didn't move. Monster, said one of them. He's not of this world, said another. Then as if they'd just seen a ghost, they ran, terrified, towards where they'd come from. I stood there for a moment, making sure no more would come. And when I was satisfied that I'd won, I turned around and wondered where the boy had gone. I felt like it wasn't just the fact that he looked like me. I couldn't help but feel that that this was personal, much more personal, that it brought up a sense of violation that I needed to address. I thought about it more and more as I walked towards where the boy had gone, and it just made me angrier and angrier. As I walked onwards, I noticed that the things were getting a bit familiar. I was now deep into the forest and I didn't know how any of this could be familiar but 
for some reason I just didn't feel lost. I felt like I knew where I was going. And then I realised why. I walked into a small clearing and saw an old, run-down building. And I knew this building. This is where I'd found that mass grave. Where I had to buckle down for the night. Was the boy hiding here? Hello, I shouted. It's okay, you can come out. But nothing. Where is he? I thought. I walked inside and the place looked different, but it was still a complete dilapidated mess. Are you here? I shouted. They're gone, it's okay, we're safe. And then I jumped. I could see something horrifying in the other room. It was moving, extremely slowly. And then I realised, hold on, that's me. It's a mirror. And I looked like... Well, I just... I looked like a zombie. I was covered in blood from my face, all down my clothes and trousers and covering my shoes. I looked scary, to say the least. But then I looked down to see a creepy eye staring at me from behind the mirror. Jesus, I exclaimed. You scared me half to death. Do you know that? (sighs) Jesus. Come on, come out from there. He slowly came out. Right, I said. We need to keep you safe, you know that. And I know this sounds horrible, but... You can't go back to that village. In fact, we need to get you out of here. Okay? No, said the boy. I can't leave him. Leave who? I asked. My brother. I can't leave him. We promised we'd always be together, no matter what. Well, okay. I'll try and see if I can get your brother, but... It's too dangerous in that town for you, alright? So, I know, come with me. I took the boy down to that strange room that I'd found last time I was here. The secret lair with all the photos of Kate. But when we walked in, it was completely empty. Save from a couple of plastic chairs. Okay, I said. You may have to sleep down here for a couple of nights, alright? You wear anything upstairs, you hide down here and you don't make a sound. If it's me, I'll come down and I'll let you know. I'll come back later with some supplies, right? So just hold tight here for a few hours. The boy nodded. I got up and got another glimpse of myself in the mirror. I truly did look like a monster. Is this what I'd become? Maybe this is what I was like the whole time. I couldn't look at myself any longer. I left the boy there and walked out. I continued back towards the town, not quite sure what I'd run into once I got back, but I had to go somewhere. I passed a lake and cleaned myself up as best I could, and as I got closer to civilization, I tried to keep my wits about me. Anyone could have seen what I did. Anyone could still be after me. I then saw a local shop that actually I hadn't noticed before. I was so thirsty, I just had to get something. I walked in and went straight up to the man behind the counter. I'm sorry, I don't have any money, but... My God, what happened? said the man. Are you okay? Yeah, I just... Can I just have some water? Of course, I tell you what, take what you like. And don't worry about paying, it's on me. Well, maybe there are good people left, I thought. And I took a look around. Everything looked just weird. I grabbed a Coke and a Milky Bar... Is this okay? Of course, he said. And then I looked at something in the background. Behind him, on the wall. It's a picture 
pair of kittens chasing a ball of thread. As I looked closer, it wasn't the kittens that shocked me. What's that? I asked. What's what? The man answered. That, with the kittens. Hmm, it's my calendar, he said. Why? And those are the exact words I didn't want to hear. Tell me that it's wrong. Nothing wrong with that, he laughed. <laughs> Unless someone's told you otherwise. It's still 1967. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. For more info, including how you can support the show, please visit anewwinter.com. Thank you for listening to A New Winter. <laughs>